Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A desire to bring the truth to the forefront and a refusal to back down. The Roy Green Show continues. We have uh, often on this program spoken about the issue of impaired driving, and we've often had family members of people who have been injured or have been killed by an impaired driving incident. And I've never had the opportunity to sit with someone who has, in fact, been convicted of driving impaired and taking someone's life because of that. And in studio with me is uh, David. We're just going to go with, uh, with, with his first name. And you're here to talk to us. Hi, David. Thank you for coming in. I thank, I thank you for having me. You're here because. Tell us why, why, you, why this is important to you. Well, I wanted to come in. I was given the opportunity. Um, and it was something I didn't want to pass up uh, to get the message out um, as to my side of the story, as to what happens when you choose to drink and drive. Okay. Uh, Doug Morton is here as well. Uh, earlier, Doug was on the program because he represented me in a, in a minor case now. And um, But, Doug, do you want to talk about uh, you working with David? Do you want to talk about what happened on that day, or should we? is it better for David to do that? What's, what works better? Probably better if David tells his story. Okay. And if there's any questions, you can ask me to clarify. Okay. Let's take you to that day in November 2016. Uh, that morning was like any other day. Um, I'd gotten up, done some housework. Um, it was my uh, baby shower uh, for my wife that day. Um, she was seven months pregnant. Uh, so ran some errands, and I decided I was going to go down and pick up a fish. I keep uh, a couple of fish tanks um, and decided to uh, basically have a drink in the afternoon, which is something that I didn't normally do, and debated whether to go over it to help pick up some of the presents from the baby shower or to head down to Brampton to... Um, I pick up the fish, and I made the choice to head down there um, after having a drink. And basically, was driving along um, uh, Highway 10, which is here Ontario. And uh, after that, I don't remember what happened. It ended up in the ditch. Um, that's basically what happened in a nutshell that day. Um, Were you out cold um, from the accident? Were you unconscious? I was unconscious. Uh, I wasn't sure for how long, whether it was 30 seconds or a minute. Um, But when I did come to, I realized there had been an accident um, and didn't immediately realize the severity of it um, until I actually uh, crawled out of the ditch. So what did they tell you? What did they they tell you happened? They basically told me um, that someone had passed away. Um, And as soon as I heard that... uh, I mean, it's it's shock. Um, I felt sick immediately because it it takes a while for your brain to process what they've actually told you, um, and that's uh, that's what they told me. And I I went into shock. I, I didn't know what to think. Um, it was like a dream. How are you now? Oh, it's been about a year and a half. Um, 
the first couple weeks was more of a shock type period um, where you're just in uh, living in fear of what you've done. Um, like you're not sure of the consequences. I, I felt I felt horrible because you have no way of of talking to the family or or telling them how you feel. Um, and as time went by, I've, I've learned to uh, kind of um, basically take things day by day. I've got to keep my head up uh, for my daughter, for my wife, for my family. I, I can't lock myself away in a room. Um, and I want to use basically every bit of positivity that I come across as uh, basically to help, to help it where I can. How do you, uh, how do you explain what happened to your family? It was a horrible, horrible choice. Um, I've had to explain to them many, many times to friends, and most of them know that this is not something that they would ever imagine that I would have done. Um, it was something that I never thought would have happened to myself either because it wasn't, wasn't something I made a habit of. Um, it, it can happen to anyone, and it, and it can basically happen so quickly. Um, it's not something that I, like I said, I would have ever thought um, it would have been a situation that I was in or would have ever, you know, wanted to. So, so you would have been in, in the mindset that uh, I haven't had that much to drink. I, I'm okay. I'll be all right to drive. Would that be how you might have felt? Uh, that was the mindset uh, that day because um, after I had, I, I did some uh, some housework around the house um, and I, I didn't feel that I, that I had, but I obviously had. Um, I think most people make that assumption and you can't. I mean, if you've had anything, it's, it's not worth it at all. How are things uh, developing legally at that point? What was the interaction with the police and the Crown and... And, and as far as dealing with, uh, with, the, with the justice system is concerned. At that point or, yeah. or now? No, then. Uh, like, like what happened initially? You, you, were, you were taken to court. You were charged, or, right? I was taken to court um, uh, the next day on Sunday, and um, I was released on bail. Um, we were basically waiting for the, uh, the court date, which started about a year later, um, which was last November. What is life like when they let you go on bail? They uh, they they free you on bail. Yeah. What were the conditions like? What what sorts of conditions were imposed on you? Uh, the conditions were uh, not to consume alcohol, which wasn't an issue. Um, I couldn't drive. Couldn't have keys in my hand. Um, basically, had to abide by the rules of the house uh, set forth by my two assurities, my father-in-law, my father, and my wife. Um, so the last year I've spent uh, going to work, uh, spending as much time as I can with my daughter, who's now 16 months, um, and basically trying to make the best of a, a, of a horrible situation. The stress on the family during that time period, from the time that you're, you go to court, you're given your bail conditions, you go back to the, to the home, you're living in the home yep. with your daughter, with, with your wife, you've got your family around you. The, the stress on the family dynamic has to be significant. Uh, huge, yes. I mean, it affected every aspect of, of our lives. Um, I mean, I felt, I felt horrible for having to put them through it um, and the worry and the stress involved with what had happened, the incident itself, and what was going to happen. Um, it's a horrible feeling to have to n know that you've done that to... Uh, people that you love, um, I mean, combined with the fact that somebody had died, it's 
it's a pretty bad situation. And there's my daughter who, like I said, was born three months after, and it kind of overshadows that because that's always in the back of your head. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't wake up and, and not day goes by, I don't think about it. So, you're going to prison, correct? And the date that happens? Uh, the date that that, that happens is May the thirty first. Okay. Yeah. Let me take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, what's ahead for you. And you did have the opportunity to speak to family members of the, was it a man, a gentleman who was who was killed? I was a gentleman. Okay. Um, I have not yet. Uh, that will be uh, this coming um, this coming Friday the 11th if the judge gives me the opportunity to do so. Okay. But, so. You, but you've seen them? Yes, I have. Yes. We'll come back with David and uh, with Doug Morton. It's the Roy Green Show, Chorus Radio Network. But he never jumps to conclusions. This is the Roy Green Show. We're back with uh, David, who is going to be going to prison um, next Friday, is, is the date. And this is after his driving. Um, What's the term? It's conviction. He's, yeah. He, he well, pled guilty last uh, Impaired Friday. driving. Yes, right. for impaired, impaired driving. driving. Yeah. Okay, now, before before I ask you, Doug, about what happened in, in, in court, you were charged with uh, impaired driving causing death, excess blood alcohol involving death, and dangerous operation causing death. Um, you also heard victims' impact statements. Uh, yes, I court. did, this, uh, this past Friday. Okay. We'll get to that in a moment. But, Doug, walk us through what happened in court. And what, 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 what can you add to this, this narrative today? What I can add, Roy, is right from the beginning, the uh, family of the victim, he had eight brothers and sisters, he had a wife and some children, aunts and uh, nephews and, and nieces. They had been to every court appearance. And during the eight days of trial, they were there. They were family from Newfoundland, there were family from Fort McMurray, Uh, there are a couple of court appearances that were administrative and there's always some family representation. Last Friday the entire family was there. Uh, During David's guilty plea, he pled guilty to the count of impaired driving causing death and the other two charges were judicially stayed, which in effect they were withdrawn, not proceeded with. the family have been very reasonable to deal with. Um, they're they're going through the events uh, and having to relieve the relive this just as much as we are. Uh, the family also understood that there were some triable issues here. One of the reasons that we asked David when he was released on bail to go into seclusion were there were some identity issues. We didn't want him talking about this outside his family dynamic in case somebody wanted to tip the police off or the crown off to uh, something that they hadn't covered. Um, But as the trial progressed, there were some court rulings from the Supreme Court of Canada and the Court of Mm -hmm. Appeal that uh, put an end to the arguments we were going to bring. And at that point, we had a meeting with David, and David instructed Mr. Caroline, Michael Caroline is his lawyer, instructed him to uh, speak with the Crown about the result, about ending the trial, mid-trial, and pleading guilty. Okay. And that's what we did. Now, the reason we're just going with your first name is <coughs> just preferable and out of respect to the family of the, yes, of the gentleman the, the who Yes, the family died. who passed away. Yes. Um, 
your can we we can talk about how long your prison sentence is. Yeah, yeah. So you it was a it was a plea bargain. I don't want to say plea bargain. Uh, it was negotiated. Uh, it was negotiated, but when when Mr. Caroline spoke to the Crown Attorney about trying to resolve this, they went before a different judge mm-hmm. who listened to everything that the Crown and Mr. Caroline had to say, and the judge said, "In these set of circumstances, he thinks a sentence in the four to four and a half year range is re- is is acceptable." Okay, now you know that people across Canada hearing that will recoil at four, four and a half years. And we've heard it, we've talked about it many times on the program. Someone drinks, nobody forced you to drink. You cause an accident, um, someone loses his life. The case that's been made many times is why shouldn't that be a second degree murder charge? Uh, it's not something you can answer because it's court precedent and that's the way the system works. There have been uh, the courts have decided that this is the um, average length for uh, for a uh, for an impaired driving death situation for three to four to five years, and uh, and they are quite often negotiated. But what do you say to people who are listening to the program now, who are saying, "How come that guy gets off so easily? You you want to you want to live your life differently. You want to get the message out, not to do what you did." But there are people who are thinking not so positively about you right now, David. No, um, I think it has to be taken on a on a case by case basis. Um, I don't want anybody to pity me because it's not something that that I'm looking for that way. I mean, what I at the choice I made was the choice I made, and I have to deal with the consequences. Um, I guess in terms of the court has to base it on what they feel to be um, a fair decision, whether they, they feel the person has remorse for what they've done, um, if they have a past record. Um, I had to basically leave it in the court's hands and what they've, what they've handed off to me, the, uh, the four-and-a-half-year sentence um, and a nine-year driving ban is, is what I felt was fair as well, um, and that was what uh, they had recommended. You've never had a, a driving, uh, drunk driving or, or impaired driving charge previously? I uh, never, no criminal record, no. When you heard the victim's impact statements, what did that do to you? It's hard to hear. Um, I sat there with uh, with my wife this past Friday. Um, you wish you could say something to them personally. I know that I can't yet. I'll get that chance, hopefully, this coming Friday, too. Um, you wish you could say something that would make it all better, but you can't. And that's that's the worst part of it, um, is I would love them to know me as a person. Um, I know that's not going to help or change the fact. Um, if it gives them any closure or, or if it helps them at all, that's basically what I'm looking for because um, it wasn't fair to them. So so you, had, you, do, you make the plea deal. It's four and a half years in prison. You, you won't do the four and a half years, uh, more than likely. But... How do you feel as you're preparing to go to prison? How does that, how's that, how's that impacting on you? Uh, the first reaction was fear um, and panic, obviously, because you know, um, you know, you're headed for. Um, I, and part of that is fear of the unknown. I mean, I've never been to prison. I had, I have no idea what to expect. Um, and then as time went by, um, you have to keep your head up. Um, you're going in there, and I'm, I'm going to make the best of that time. And if there's anything I can do on the inside to help other people out, um, whatever I can do, I'll, I'll do it to make 
basically the best of a bad situation and then carry that forth once I'm once I'm released um, this is something that obviously uh, that I've done to myself um, and I need to make the absolute best of a negative situation um, and take any positives I can out of it you have some uh, incredibly supportive family members huh very much so they've been um, they've been great Thought about what you're going to tell your daughter? Uh, when she's old enough, um, I I plan on telling her. Uh, at this point, because she's so young, I want to keep as much of that away from her as possible um, and and keep um, things as consistent as possible for her benefit so that she feels secure. Um, my family's supporting us in that way. But uh, when she's older, I'll tell her exactly what had happened, and, um, I, and hopefully that makes an impact on her um, once she knows... Um, what I did and uh, what I went through, you know, she's uh, she's too young now to. I hope not to remember, but um, I definitely will tell her when she's old enough to understand it. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's very courageous of you to come in here and 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 talk about about yourself and what you've done, and uh, and, and do what nobody else has done. I've many times asked for someone who has been convicted of impaired driving and who's taken a life call in so we can actually talk to that person and find out what they're feeling, who they are, what happened to them. Because time and again it's been said, there but the, for the grace of God go I. Well, I, I, I don't buy into that because we all have decisions to make in life, right? You decide to make the wrong decision. It costs someone their life. But you could also just do your time quietly, just stay in the shadows, and then carry on with your life. But you've made a decision and a determination that you're going to do something when you get out of prison to, you can't make up for what what's happened. No, but but you want to do thing positive things when you get out of prison. So we're going to talk about that, and we'll talk more about uh, about David's situation. Maybe Doug has some more uh, issues to raise as far as the the legal realities are concerned. But and I know that it upsets people in in this country that the prison sentences for someone who drives impaired and uh, and and goes uh, receives a prison sentence of four years, maybe does year and a half or two years. It upsets people, but that is not David's fault. That's the justice system that's been developed, and it all acts uh, goes forward on, on precedent. We will come back, and remember, you can listen back to this uh, conversation anytime and download it at RoyGreenShow.com in the podcast. We'll come back with David. We'll come back uh, with Doug Morton and more questions for David about what lies ahead. This is one of the m- really most unusual broadcasts that uh, that I've aired, and I've aired many unusual ones. We'll come back. Stay with us. Looking for the truth and not worried about rattling some cages to get at it, this is The Roy Green Show. We have a few minutes left with uh, David in our studio and talking about um, the impaired driving um, conviction and the loss of life and the fact he's going to prison. And there's so many component parts to this. How have you dealt with the, well, let me, let me rephrase this. What do you not want to leave this studio without saying? What needs to be said? What do you want to say? 
I just want people to know that can happen to anybody and it can happen very, very quickly. Um, and it's not something you go into thinking is going to happen. Um, and I want to make sure that people know that I made that choice and I will own up to that. Um, and I have, but if there's something I can leave people with is that it's you've, you've got to make the best of a bad situation. And when I was given this opportunity by you to come on and speak about this, I, I thought a couple of times back and forth and I said, I should, I should take this opportunity because it's, it's something that I've wanted to do. And many people don't get this outlet to, to actually speak and uh, give their side of it. Um, there's very few people who would actually do what you're doing. Well, I thought that too, but I couldn't pass up uh, this situation just to um, give people the other side and not for them to feel sorry for me, but just to give them the other side that it's um, it's a horrible situation. It affects uh, it affects both sides, and it's it's something that I want to. Um, and try to change if I can. If it's one person uh, that picks up on something from this conversation, then that makes it worth it for me. Have you thought that perhaps family members of the man whose life you took uh, might be listening to this broadcast? Yes. Yeah, I have. And I I hope they've, they've heard uh, what I've had to say. Um, and if it helps at all, then that's a positive thing. Doug? On um, Friday, Mr. Caroline informed the judge. This is David's lawyer. David's lawyer, yes. Informed the judge that David would be on your show today. And the judge and the Crown Attorney, the judge's jaw dropped. He said, he's never heard of this happen before. But we have to start thinking like this as a society. Like this is all part of... The sentence that David started serving when the officer gave him the news that the man had passed away and he was now charged with impaired driving causing death. We, as a society, are shifting in, in how we deal with these things and reconciliation. And what David's going to say to the family uh, this coming Friday are, are all part of this. And this is, this is an opportunity uh, for him to do that and for other people to start to think about owning up and uh, to to what they've done and, and, and taking ownership. David David has not uttered one word in the entire time I've known him about denial, about blaming somebody else. No, and I've had conversations with David off the air. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it's been like like now. I, I want to make a difference. I want to make uh, get out there and 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 pay for what I've done. Yep. And and bring forward the message to not do what I did. Well, how would you plan on doing that? Have you had any thoughts about what you will want to do? what you'll actually physically want to do when you get out of prison. I want to become a contributing member again. Um, I mean, you're there, you're there for a set period of time. Um, and like I said to you earlier, if there's anything I'm, I'm given the opportunity to do there, I will do. Um, and once I'm out, I mean, I, like I said, I've spoke to family and friends and, and told them my story. And I hope that's, that's helped them or given them like a second thought um, to uh, reconsider doing what I did. Um, Has it cost you any friends? Oh, for sure. Um, but, I mean, we've kept a pretty uh, tight-knit group of people that have been there to support me. Um, so, yes, it has. But that comes with uh, this type of incident. So, mm-hmm. so next Friday you go to prison. 
Uh, the 31st. 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 Prison. Um, what advice are you giving, uh, giving David Doug? You're the ex-police officer. What, what, what advice are you giving him? Well, honestly, Roy, hadn't, hadn't had to give him any. He's got a tremendous support group in his family. And David's taken ownership of this right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done what we've asked him to. And, and that's why when some people will say, why isn't he talking earlier? Well, we told him not to. I, I don't have anything to say to him. He's, just, he's like I said, stand-up guy. He's uh, taken it on the chin, and he's going to uh, have his say this coming Friday and tell the judge and the family his uh, sad story. Well, you know, I told you off the air that I've received a few emails, not many, but a few emails saying, why are you talking to this guy? And I hope that people who ask that question have an answer now. First of all, I think I had a responsibility to put David on the air because he wants to do something nobody else has done before. No one who's been found guilty of impaired driving and caused, uh, taking a life. And secondly, it gives us an opportunity to hear someone who is truly remorseful. And I really believe you are. From our conversations that we've had off the air, what I see, see of you here, I'm pretty good at uh, discerning body language and, and, and hearing what people are saying and how, what they mean when they're saying it. That comes with a lot of experience with interviews, and I I really believe that you honestly intend to make a difference, and I hope you do. And I hope uh, I hope you're able to explain all of this to to your daughter and keep your family unit tight. And uh, you have to pay for this, and one way or another, you're going to be paying for it for the rest of your life. Yes, no question. David, thank you for coming in. Uh, thank you for having me here. I I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, maybe we can talk again. As uh, you know, as the days, as the as the year, year and a half, two years goes forward, or when you come out of prison, probably we can uh, have you back in. I'd be up for that for sure. Okay, if that's something you'd like to do. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Morton, good to see you again. Thanks, Gray. Thanks for what you did for me. No, oh, you're welcome. Okay, we'll come back and uh, we'll be talking to Gord Bibby about a wonderful lady who's been on this program on a number of occasions. She's the sister of Robert Hall, who was abducted and and uh, tortured and beheaded in the Philippines by Abu Sayyaf, the terrorist organization. Uh, Bernice Thomas, um, Robert's sister, died a few days ago, and I didn't want to go through this weekend without having a few minutes of tribute to this uh, remarkable woman who did so much, even at a time when she was very, very critically ill. Stay with us.